this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, Second, First Peter chapter 3. This morning, again, tremendous Bible conference, and it is Mother's Day. And uh, it's unique. I have never had the opportunity to preach a Mother's Day sermon with both my mother and my mother-in-law in the same, in the service at that time. So I'm a little nervous. Just saying. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm really not. This, being a mother, and we're going to honor, and I would say even in general being a woman today, is difficult because of all the different redefinings of what a woman is, what a man is. When they ask a nominate uh, a, a Supreme Court nominee to define a woman and she says she can't, that's not on her, that's a reflection of the culture. It is on her in one sense, but it's a reflection also of the culture. I actually, at first, when I heard about gender reveal parties, and I actually had my, my son revealed, my daughter-in-law, they're having a boy, I'm so excited, but anyway. So the Sullivan name goes on, hallelujah. Just yesterday. But to define that, it's actually worth celebrating. Because in God's plan, he defined roles. And again, under challenge, and in many different ways, from all sorts of different angles of the way the world is approaching this. Way society is actually tearing at both ends at the same time. You, you notice that there's like this tension that they have and it's absolutely destroying them. It is on this day that, if you don't know this, the story, Anna Jarvis, she actually never had any children of her own, but she wanted to honor mothers. She began to do this. It actually began in Ohio and got traction and went around the nation and is now around the world. Almost every nation in the world celebrates a Mother's Day. In England and Ireland, they do it in March. In Europe, they do it on the same day as us. Different nations do it at different times. But to honor mothers is something that's worthy. And not only mothers, I think the crowning qualities of even being a woman. So I want to just talk to you about some crowning qualities of womanhood. First Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, and just going on through verse 5. It is to wives, but I believe it's also something that every woman, married or not, could take a hold of. Peter says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how holy women made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. Peter is talking about a crowning, the, the terminology here is a crowning beauty. 
It goes beyond outward appearance, and we'll talk about outward appearance in just a minute. But this is the problem. This is where many women try to find their value. It's in their looks. You're worth more than your looks. You really, really are. Peter makes the statement in verse 5, women that trusted God. He's actually referring to there that the picture there of women in the Old Testament, the heroes of faith. There, uh, there are some, in fact, two of the books of the Bible are named after individuals, are named after women. God says, I, I put dignity upon that. I'm, I, I, I love women. They're not second class. There have been societies, there have been movements, and even sometimes even doctrines that have made women lesser, but I don't believe that. I believe there's roles that each gender plays, certain physical, emotional, intellectual things that are for each gender, but God has put them out there to put those together in a couple that make a complete unit. I think the first woman we could maybe touch on is Hannah. Hannah was a very precious woman in the Bible. You find her in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. She's a desperate woman. She, she's married. Now, thank God we don't do this today, but her husband had two wives. I can't imagine that. Where the Mormons think that's right, I have no clue. One's enough. First Samuel chapter seven, chapter one, verse seven. Year after year, it was the same. Pahane, I would taunt Hannah. This is the other wife. When they went to the tabernacle, each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. What it is, is Penai had children. She had, and Hannah was struggling to have children. This can be a large struggle if it's there in someone's life. I'll just add here that we had the four miracle pregnancies, and when I prayed, I said, God, three is not acceptable. And the reason I prayed that is I didn't want the one who didn't get pregnant to feel this, like, what did I do, or why am I not worthy, or all, and all of that. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that as a pastor. I just want them all pregnant. Just let them all get pregnant. That would be happy. I'd be very happy. And they all did. And they all will again. Anyway, now moving on. But anyway, First Samuel 1, verses 10 and 11, Hannah was in deep anguish. Bitterly, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you. And he will be your enti- yours for an entire lifetime. And as the sign that has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Here Hannah in her bitterness. Women are either human nature... And again, I mentioned that sermon Pastor Stevens preached. But human nature, you're either going to cry unto God 
or you're going to get bitter. That's the way life will work. Every one of us can complain. We live in the most prosperous, comfortable society in history. And yet there's bitter people everywhere. Because it's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about your heart. And I can tell you, bitter people don't pray. They complain to God, but they don't pray. She's in deep anguish, but she's praying. I believe that's a mark of a faithful woman. There's times in life you could get bitter. A man does you wrong, people, circumstances, setbacks, health issues, children. An Italian proverb, little children, little problems, big children, big problems. And Hannah remembers that God is able to help her. No matter where you're at right now, God is able to help you. God wants to help you. God's desire is to minister to you. Hannah does eventually get pregnant, and she goes on to say, I asked the Lord to give me a boy, and he granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship God there. As Grace was talking about, as life gets older, she's, you know, her boys have now, her little boys are now married and have children and, you know, scattered, daughters scattered around and, you know, and this, and life gets more complicated, but she's given them to God. That's the picture there. Hannah's given them to God. Even if they're not saved, you've got to give them to God. You've got to let God work it out. You've got to let God work in them. Because, you know what, as a parent, you can try to fix them to some point. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. You know, you can try to fix your children enough that they get, they get mad at you. I always remind, try to remind parents, remember what you were like. That's why my kids couldn't get away with some of the things that they thought they were getting away with. Because I remember, and my wife remember, how sneaky and conniving, and this is where I need to be careful because my mother and mother-in-law are here, but, you know, how we could be. Hannah was a prayer warrior, fought through issues. We could talk about Esther, one of the books that a Bible is, uh, in the Bible is named after. Esther was an orphan. Esther's parents died somewhere along the way, and her cousin or uncle, depending on which translation you read, the words are very similar, said that this, in Esther 2.7, this man had a very beautiful and lovely cousin, Hadasha, who was also called Esther, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family, and raised her as his own daughter. The only things we really know about Esther is that she was beautiful in appearance and humble. 
That's all we really know. We don't have any pictures or portraits or, you know, there were no selfies, no Instagram accounts back then. And so we don't know what she exactly looked like. But we can always know that, you know what, they took these girls and they had a basically, if you don't know the story, they had a beauty contest. Uh, they picked out the most beautiful girls uh, in the whole kingdom when the king had banished his wife over a drunken party and just stupidness. How many know drunk you, or sober you, would never be proud of drunk you? Just remember that. Sober you will never be proud of drunk you. Never will happen. Man, I made the greatest decisions when I was smashed out of my mind. You make the dumbest decisions when you're drunk. And he kicked out his wife, got lonely, wanted another wife, had a beauty contest. These girls could make themselves up. They could, as Pastor Mitchell would say, paint the barn. Or as Chuck wanted me to bring out, but I'm not sure I'm going to. Spackle it. But anyway, I don't know if I'm going to bring that out, so we'll wait and see. Right? They, they painted their face. She said, just a little makeup. It's fine, just a little bit. Went into the, it went, became the queen. I won't go into all the details of how that transpired. She becomes the queen. But she's a woman of integrity, not just beauty. Mordecai challenges her when Haman conspires to kill all the Jews. And he says, you know what, if you keep silence, God will raise up deliverance from another place. And then the famous quote, who knows, maybe for such a time you have come into the kingdom for this. Esther sent her reply to Mordecai and said, I will go, but first gather all the Jews in the capital and fast for me for three days and nights. I'll go into the king, and if I die, I die. She was willing to put it all on the line. Women of old that we can learn from. How about Mary? Mother Mary, as she's called. Religion has twisted her a bit. But the angel told her that she would be the most blessed woman in all of history. She got to spend more time with Jesus on planet Earth than anyone. I mean, we know, you know, the apostles only had him for three years. Mary had him for a lot longer than that. She was willing to be interrupted by God. She had a purity. Now, let me say in this generation, if you've sacrificed your purity, God can give it back to you. But it's a better process if you don't. She was pure. She was told she'd have a son. God moved upon her. She was said, the angel tells her. Gabriel comes to her and says, you're favored. The Lord is with you. 
She, of course, was confused and disturbed when she saw an angel. But she was willing to obey. And she responded and said in verse uh, verse 38 of Luke chapter 1, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left. In our text, it refers distinctly, if we had read on to the next verse, of Sarah. Sarah had her ups and downs. Sarah had arguments. You can read. They had fights. They had marital fights in the Bible. Just saying. But Sarah, at the end, would follow Abraham to the ends of the earth. These are what... Peter is referring to when he's talking about how holy women of old made themselves beautiful. We have no pictures of these women. I mean, you can find lots of pictures of Mary, but who knows if that's what she looked like. I love, there's a great painting in the Louvre. I love, I, I love this painting in the Louvre. It's huge. It's not the Mona Lisa. It's actually of King David when he just had, he's lifting up Goliath's head. He's just a kid. But you know what? In that painting, he looks like a really good Italian boy. Not a Jewish boy. So we have no idea what these people look like. We're not privy to paintings or pictures that have saved. But we know they're beautiful because of their spirit. Because of what they did. Our text tells us a little bit about modesty. This is kind of the doubled end of the, you know, uh, Me Too generation. You know, I, I heard a woman complaining in the Me Too movement that she would, she worked as a waitress at a, this bank, Banker's banquet that they do that's all men in London. You get a bunch of old, rich guys who aren't saved. They will be perverts. And she's shocked that they're perverts. Now, I'm not justifying the man's place. But, honey, what did you expect? This, this meal has had that reputation forever and you went there and the dress they give her is this real short skirt with this real low cut blouse and that's what you're wearing among all these drunken rich guys who think they deserve everything and you're 17 years old and you're just naive that's the problem that's some of the problem I have with it is that men can be pigs Women can encourage them to be pigs. We're going into summer. And people will dress bad. Now I must say, I do enjoy being back in the United States because they dress a lot better than they did in Europe. Than they do in Europe. Modesty is the understanding that you can look pretty without looking I'll say it once sleazy 
My wife has a little test. Would you want someone wearing what you think you're going to wear in front of your father, your brother, or your husband? Just a good way to weigh it through. Is that something you would want another woman to dress as? First Timothy 2, 9 and 10. I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing not to draw attention to themselves. By the way, they fix their hair or wear gold and pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Now, it's in the heart of a woman to want to look pretty. I'll tell my granddaughters, man, you guys are pretty. And they get all, thanks, Papa. Right? And there are lots of pretty girls in the world. But beauty that comes from within. Nothing wrong with wanting to wear and look nice and be and be pretty. You know, let me just tell wives something here. Your husband does want you to look good. He wants you to look good with his car. He does. It's an old comedian. Man, I date her because she looks good with my car. But men do want that. They want to go, that's, I'm ugly, but look what was attracted to me. They want that. They need that. And it doesn't have to match the the covers of Glamour magazine. I mentioned that this morning in our Sunday school. The airbrushed. Plastic surgeon to death, girls. I think I read of one British, uh, British, Brazilian model who had, uh, had over 280 plastic surgeries. I mean, everything from her lips to her cheeks to other parts. Then they will take those pictures and, air, and Photoshop them. Be a little thinner, a little this, a little that, a little bit more busty, a little bit more this, a little bit, you know, bigger this, smaller that, whatever. And you look in the mirror and you go, I can't measure that. And you can't. Because one, your mirror tells you what's actually there. Right? Not, you can't fix that. You can't Photoshop that. And the honest thing, as I said too, you have a couple of kids you're probably not going to look like that. That's not bad. That's reality. But to be beautiful for your husband goes far beyond the outward and into who you are. Proverbs eleven twenty two: a beautiful woman who lacks discernment is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. The term there lacks discretion, that is, it literally means taste. It has to do with intelligence, behavior, judgment, reason, and understanding. That's what the word has to deal with. And a woman who has those things is far prettier than maybe some woman who appears in the front of Glamour magazine who has none of those. Beauty comes from within. 
Charm is deceitful, Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. And I must say that once you start living for God and stop living for sin, you don't age as fast. It really does help. So let's talk about the crowning quality here. Because Peter writes, he says, your clothes, uh, uh, you should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. The word gentle means to be mild or humble. The word quiet is not necessarily to just not speak. It has to do with peace. The unfortunate reality of women who are not at peace is that they try to fix things with their words all the time. Men fix things with their hands. Women fix things with their words. Women fix men. Men fix cars. Your spirit, how you control your emotions, your actions, your personality... That's what gives you honor. Proverbs 19, 13, a foolish child is a calamity to his father. A quarrelsome wife is an annoying, constant, dripping Chinese water torture. They would tie victims down and have a drop go on their forehead. Just a drop of water. Constantly. There is no physical damage that a drop of water on your forehead is going to do. None. Zero. But emotionally and mentally, it will drive you absolutely mad. How many of you have ever been laying in bed and and you have a dripping faucet? You don't hear it during the day. When you're in bed at night, drip, drip, drip pillow over the head. You still hear it. You hear it in your dreams. Right? You get up in the morning, you don't hear it anymore. That's the emotional picture there of a quarrelsome wife, a wife that is constantly saying undermining words to her husband. I I was told by one wife, I'll follow if he'll lead in the direction I want him to. I'm like, mm, you're going to have some problems there. Proverbs 25, 24. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. And that's why they have man caves. It's not that men like spiders any more than women. It's just they know that the spiders will keep them out. I shouldn't have revealed that secret. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Proverbs eleven sixteen. We're going to get through this, and I'm going to bless you at the end. A gracious woman retain, gains respect, but ruthless men only gain wealth. The Bible in basic English says a woman who is full of grace is 
honored. God wants you to understand it is your character, your personality, not your looks that will build the future. That's what Peter is saying. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Women, because they, of their abilities in the way God has designed both men and women, will actually control the temperature of the home. And I don't mean in the thermostat, because every couple, they asked, one pastor in conference said, how many of you have ever fought over the temperature of the thermostat and hands went up all over the place? My wife and I both run hot, so we're, we don't fight over it that much, but she thinks I make it too cold. I like to sleep. But a woman's decisions will set the temperature emotionally in the home. Men can do it, but women tend to do it more. There's a powerful power in the hands of a woman that she has the power over the home. She can either build it up or tear it down. Proverbs 12, 4. A worthy wife is a crown to her husband. But a disgraceful woman is like a cancer in his bones. The understanding that Proverbs brings out. Now, remember, this is Solomon. He's a bit jaded. I get that. He's got 300 wives, 700 concubines. He's got a little problem. But the reality of what He is saying there is that if you are the woman of quiet and gentle spirit, which even says here, and I'll just throw this in, he's actually talking to women whose husbands are not Christians on how you win them to Christ. If your husband's a Christian, you're way ahead in that opportunity. Because women today and the pressures, the double incomes that are required in so many places and so many issues, the pressures of trying to be a mother and have a career and, 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 have pulled down and brought many women to the place where they don't know who or what they're supposed to do. Peter makes it very simple. Love God and love your husband. And if you'll do that, you'll be successful in life. Proverbs 31, 10 and 11. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust in her and she will greatly enrich his life. I was sitting with a couple recently, and they're going through some struggles. They're not in this church. They're just going through some difficulties, and they're just trying to work it through. And, um, well, I, I'll actually, they're a Canadian couple, because she goes, I'm trying to give it 110%. I said, is that the Canadian math? 
she's they're just trying to work things through and get get things on a solid footing and just get back on and I looked at him and I said bro you have what many men would give their left arm for a supportive beautiful spirit beautiful in appearance wife I said she's with you he's going to make it because of that he's just going through a little bit of a rough patch but he'll make it pull out because he has a wife with him because she is the one is and I preached a sermon on this a while back out of this text a little longer that the basic thing is there are six verses for the women there in Peter in marriage and there's one for the men and the reason he says six verses is because he has to encourage the girls to help the boys help them because they need it virtuous wonderful women which is what Jesus will make you if you allow him he will bless you and you will be a blessing and in heaven i don't believe on earth except maybe on mother's day mothers feel appreciated i don't think they get enough applause i think i read a statistic and it was back in the in the knots that you know if you had to pay a woman to come into your house and do what a mother and a wife does it would be in the neighborhood of of $200,000 to cook and to clean and to carpool and to organize and to do all that it'd be about $200,000 and even working women 95% of the household chores often fall on them but i believe in heaven god's going to look at virtuous women married or not he's going to look at them and say you're a princess sarah's name was changed from sarai to sarah princess with god whose daughters you are if you do this is what peter says God will bless you and help you if you'll just fulfill the role of being a woman. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. In our day things are confused. Up is down, down is up. Men are women, women are men. Nobody knows what's going on. The good news is Jesus Christ can help you. He can fix the world but it comes at one person at a time the women's lib movement actually fights against the very desires of what women really want the way you were created by god sin brings that in works against it destroys tears down but the good news is you can be free if you're willing to turn from your sin Invite Jesus into your heart. God can forgive you and help you. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're not born again. But you need Jesus Christ. I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand. Say, "That's me." Would you pray for me? Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Others this morning want to 
Very quickly, join. Thank God. Thank God. Very quickly, join others responding to God. You're backslidden away from God. You need Jesus. Very quickly, slip up your hand. Praise God. You Would you look at me? You mean that? You mean that? You mean that? Come, quickly. Someone's going to pray with you. A couple of men and a, a woman this morning. Just lead them into sinner's prayer. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Just kneel down. Somebody's going to come and pray with you. Nelson and Yanni are going to come. Brian. Allie's going to come. There. Changing the call then to Christians. I read these scriptures. I bring this out to you this morning because I don't see this as a major issue or problem or, you know, that kind of thing. But I do want to encourage you. Just be a woman of God. To be a woman of God, just simply love your husband and love God. Don't worry about all the pressures of the world. You need to look like this or drive that or wear this or don't wear that. or Just love your husband and love God and let God help you. We're going to open up the altars for just a moment and we're going to celebrate the mothers. And so... Let's sing a song, worship his name, give him praise. You are my strength. You are my strength.
Let's worship Him this morning. Father, we love you.